What's up, everybody? It's your boy, Chaz Pearson, and this is the Outlet Forum Podcast with my esteemed co-host, Chris Camello. What up, Chris? What up, what up, Chaz? Man, we got another fire show from you guys coming up this week. LeBron shows up at the Seattle Pro-Am with Jamal Crawford. And what does it take to be a superstar? There's a lot of discussion about superstars these days in the NBA. And we got a great interview and sports enthusiasts coming on in Glasses Malone. And of course, we got an update with Brittany Griner and the WNBA playoff predictions that me and Chris talked about last week. But Chris, we got to start off first. Happy Mamba Day to everybody out there. Mm. I mean... It's Kobe Bryant's birthday, and then it's Mamba Day the day after. The fact that we get two days in a row to celebrate Kobe Bryant's legacy, and unfortunately, he he passed. And I don't like to celebrate the day that he died. I like to celebrate this day, Mamba Day. So really quick, Chris, what's your favorite Kobe moment, man? Just really quick. Oh man, there's, there are so many. Uh, one that really sticks out to me personally, nobody ever talks about this. 2001, Sacramento, second round series, game four, 48 points in 48 minutes to nail the coffin into the Kings. And then him taunting the Arco Arena crowd, blowing on his fingers. That is one of my low-key, most favorite moments right there. They didn't need that game, but he sent a message to the city of Sacramento and the Kings organization with that performance. So that, to me, is one of my favorites of all time. How about yourself, partner? I got two really quick. The it's got to be the buzzer beater in 2006 in the first round against the Phoenix Suns. I absolutely ran around my entire house. That's my favorite memory because I that was the moment I went absolutely crazy when he made that shot to go up 3 1. Unfortunately, the Lakers lost that series. We won't talk about that. But also, when the Lakers won in 2010, and he said, I just got one more than the shot. That was also one of my favorite Kobe moments. So, shout out Mamba, shout out Vanessa and the family. Your legacy continues to live on, and it's it's never going to go away. But with that being said, we got to get right into some major NBA news because it's been less than 24 hours since the news has dropped that Kevin Durant has rescinded his trade requests with the Brooklyn Nets. He now has sat down. It's being reported by Sham Sharania of The Athletic, who seems to be the guy that breaks all the KD news. I wonder why he gets all the KD news. He's got to have the Nets organization in his back pocket, but that's neither here nor there. Shout out to Shams for breaking the news. KD sat down with Joe Sy and his wife, Mm. along with Sean Marks, ironically, and Rich Kleiman, who is his agent. They sat down reportedly in Los Angeles on Monday, and they were able to come to some kind of agreement that their partnership, quote unquote, will move forward, and they will focus on the goal at hand, which is to bring a championship to Brooklyn. There's been a lot of speculation. There's been a lot that's gone on as far as words. There hasn't been a lot of action or movement within the NBA because of the trade request from Kevin Durant that happened on June the 30th, right the day before free agency was supposed to begin. Chris, what's your takeaway from KD rescinding this trade request? And what does it mean for the rest of the league? Well, first of all, this is sort of what I predicted would happen. Oh, come on, man. Yes, I gotta, I gotta pat myself on the back. But to be honest, I'm not even. Everybody think- knew everything, right? Oh, of course. Well, one guy did for sure, and that's my guy Scoop B Robinson, who had the pulse of this situation. He got trashed on Twitter unequivocally for no reason at all. And you know what? Somebody should have had the gift 
of Stephen A. Smith or Jerry Seinfeld drinking coffee, just relax, like as if to say, told you. So I think we all owe Scoop B a, a, an apology because he was right from three to four weeks ago. So yeah, Shams may have broken the story, but Scoop was the one who made all of these predictions nearly a month ago. Here was the problem, Chaz. It was too complicated. At the end of the day, it was too complicated. The trade request was too complicated. It was too steep. Teams were not answering the bell. As you said, by the way, the Rudy Gobert situation wrecked everything. It established a yep. standard. So I will give you credit on that because I, I do believe, and nobody will ever come out and say that, at least not, nobody in the front office. Like Sean Marks is not going to come out and say that. Joe Sy is not going to come out and say that. These other teams are not going to come out and say that. That really screwed things up because now it forced Sean Marks to shoot for the moon. Not, not to mention right. KD is a top five player. He's a champion. Rudy Gobert is a great defensive center, a top five center in the game, but he's not a champion. He's not an offensive player. So of course they had to ask for picks and star players and all-stars and, and all of that. So I think that was an element of it. And I think in the end, it's like, give us a year. We've got a good team behind you. We've got Kyrie coming back. He seems to be committed. We've got... Clax, we got we re-signed Nick Claxton, we re-signed Mills, we got Owen Royce O'Neal, we got TJ Warren, we got hopefully Ben Simmons coming back. We could do some damage in this Eastern Conference. Give it a shot. You're in the number one market, you're the biggest star in that market, at least on the basketball scene. Let's make it work. And if you're still not happy, we'll revisit this again next summer. I always thought that was the most smartest play for everybody involved. It made sense. I agree with that. But for me, the reason why I, as late as Monday, which is the same day that Kevin Durant supposedly met with uh, the Nets brass, I had tweeted out that this was pretty much a smokescreen. The fact that Kevin Durant and Kyrie could possibly still be traded. Brooklyn was holding on to as much leverage as possible because I felt that Kevin Durant was not going to rescind his trade request, I felt. And I didn't take into account the fact that there's four years left on the deal and that when players like James Harden and Kyrie and Anthony Davis and Ben Simmons make these demands, it's usually only with one max two years left on the deal with one of those years being an option by the player. So really it's only one year left on the, on, on the deal. And I underestimated that. Shout out to Scoop B for being first on it. But I'll say this. If the asking price wasn't so high, I still believe Kevin Durant would have been traded and the Nets would have cut their losses with Kyrie and he more than likely would have became a Los Angeles Laker. And I've been saying from before, I only wanted Kevin flip. Durant to be traded because I wanted Kyrie Irving to be on the Lakers. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And, th and those are all great points. And once again, and I'm going to, you kind of rolled your eyes at this point a couple of weeks ago when we discussed it. Joe Sy and Sean Marks did right by these two stars. They did. That's the thing. I could understand, hey, you signed a four-year deal and you got the roster. You sign a four-year deal and you fire a coach that we liked. You sign a four-year deal and you get rid of my best friend and trainers and assistant coaches. That's one thing. Then I could at least say Kevin Durant is justified into uh, 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 doing a trade request. However, 
for an organization that is doing nothing but trying to help you win going after James Harden and then flipping James Harden to get Ben Simmons and then getting Seth Curry and re-signing Joe Harris and re-signing Mills and all these other really good, solid players that are going to help them be successful. What grounds did you want to leave? And that's the one thing I still want to hear from Kevin Durant. Why did you want to skip town for man? Like you still didn't give it a reason. I want to, I want to say this really quick before we get into the next topic. I just want to say that things happen. Things literally change and things are fluid. At the time that Kevin Durant made his trade request, Kyrie was, everything was pointing towards Kyrie wanting to go to LA, even though he opted into his contract because he couldn't get, make as much money as he's going to make this upcoming season, which is $36.7 million. He's not going to get that anywhere else. There was talk about him playing for the, the mid-level exception and this and that. There was a lot of stuff going on the days leading up to Kevin Durant's trade request. So since then, many things have happened. Kyrie has opted in. You've seen trade packages from the Raptors, the Boston Celtics. We even got a report from Sham Sharania as early as Monday talking about the, uh, the Memphis Grizzlies possibly being in the mix now. So you, you even heard Milwaukee possibly. So there's a lot of things, a lot of moving pieces. And at the end of the day, Kevin Durant realized he didn't have the leverage as a star player that he thought that he initially had what, because he's 34 years old, has four years left on his deal and he's locked in with no, a no, he has no opt out. So yeah. he, and he's not going to tarnish his legacy and lose money by sitting out, even though they have a, a stack squad. So it makes sense why he opted, opted back into the nets and rescinded his trade offer or his trade request. But I think what it means for the rest of the league is that now there's going to be you're going to see a, a flurry of moves and different signings, maybe a few smaller trades, not big trades. Guys like Colin Sexton and Patrick Beverly and maybe Boyan Bogdanovich. Um, there's players that might be traded that were talked about possibly being traded in other deals. Donovan Mitchell yeah. might be the next shoe to drop. Um, there's a lot of different reports out there. So I think really what it does for the league, it's a ripple effect that's now going to allow the league to be able to get in the place and go into training camp uh, with the rosters that they really would have liked. I'm just really excited to see what that means for the Lakers because now plan B is plan A with Kyrie off the table. And plan B looks pretty good to me, especially if you could trade for guys like, I don't know, Patrick Beverly, Boyong Bogdanovich, Miles Turner, Buddy Heald, maybe even, I mean, let's talk about Dennis Schroeder possibly coming back. Mark Stein reported that earlier this week with the Lakers possibly wanting to get Dennis Schroeder to come back because clearly his value isn't what it was when they offered him that $84 million four-year deal um, two seasons ago. So it's a lot going on, man. But I say all that to say, KD, he still could be gone after the, this next season because Kyrie, he could dip to LA. The Lakers will have the space mm -hmm. and he'll be a free agent after this year, Which regardless. So, which leads me to my, I just want to point this out for now, for, for now. No, no. And, and that's, you're basically just saying what I just said. I said, let's grind out this year, go into, go into the season. Let's see what we could accomplish. And then next year, if you don't still like the direction changes will be made. And hopefully maybe we could now have a more reasonable deal and we'll have more time to try to see what we can get for you. But that you talk about Kyrie coming to the Lakers. Or in my opinion, 
they might be better off holding on to Russell Westbrook. Because think about it, if you trade Westbrook and THT and you get some of these other guys, like you mentioned, Heald or Beverly or Bogdanovich, guys with potentially multiple years left on their contract, then uh, doesn't that kind of hinder them from being in the Kyrie sweepstakes for next summer, Chaz? Possibly, but it, it just, it depends. Especially if they're really, there's a lot that goes with, on with it, but they could rescind, you know, they could get, Taylor Horton Tucker off. They could get, you know, they're going to get Kendrick Nunn coming off the books. There's there's certain players that aren't going to be on the team anymore. But yes, you're right. They may not want to bring back multiple years of certain players. But if it's the right player, I mean, and hey, you're in this position, I like to go all in now. I like Boyan Bogdanovich. Me too. I would take his contract for multiple years coming back. Is even does that hinder you? Yes. But that guy to go with Buddy Heald and Cole Swider, who's on a two-way deal, that, that sounds too too good to be true. But, I mean, there's different – I want to save that space for superstars, but you never know. Speaking of superstars, there's a lot of superstar talk going on right now. And shout-out to Taylor Rooks, who had an amazing interview with Jason Tatum over the weekend. Here's a little bit of what she had to say about the superstar topic over the weekend. Is Damian Lillard a superstar? I think that Damian has all of the superstar qualities, but it's hard to put him in in this moment because of he just, like, needs a little more. But obviously, like, he has that in him. He's a little more. I mean, he's got to win. He's got to get there. Like, that, it, to me, that's, a, that's some of it. So here's the thing, Chris. <laughs> Damian Lillard and Kyrie Irving are both superstars bar none it doesn't matter about superstar qualities it doesn't matter about wins george gervin never won a thing in the nba as far as championships but he has one of the most iconic posters of all time with him sitting there with two ice balls for those of you guys that don't know what i'm talking about use google use the internet google george gervin didn't win anything but he is a superstar. Carmelo Malone didn't win anything. A superstar. You don't have to win a championship to be a superstar to me. And I think this whole topic of things, there are certain amounts of superstars in the NBA. There are stars, right? Like to me, Devin Booker is a star. He's not a superstar yet. John Morant is a star. He could be a superstar moving forward. What say you? How do you, how do you feel? And where, where do you land on this side of the topic? Okay fundamentally we're in agreement on this, but I want to point some other things out. Yes. You could say Lillard is a superstar despite not winning a championship. You mentioned George Gervin, Carl Malone, good, good examples. You could say Tim Hardaway at one point in time was a yes. superstar in this league. I mean, he was ultra quick. You could say Tracy McGrady, two time league scoring champion was a legit superstar. What did he do in Orlando? What did oh, he do? No doubt. He's a there's, there's no doubt he's a superstar. Exactly. Sorry, go ahead. So if like, success is going to be the measurement, team success, then we have to really redefine what a lot of these guys did in their careers. Dame Lillard put Portland basketball on the map after they thought they had their own little trifecta for years that was going to be Greg Oden, Brandon Roy, and LaMarcus Aldridge. Odin and Roy's bodies break down. Dame Lillard came in at a time when the organization was really starting to sink because of the injuries to those two players. And he put Portland basketball back on the map and you can make the argument. He made it better. It wasn't that long ago. We said Damian Lillard is not only a top five guard in this league. He's a top five player in this league, but 
because the Blazers have been kind of down in the, down in the dumps the last couple of years. They've lost a lot of their key players. They fired their head coach. Lillard was injured this past year. It's almost a similar narrative to what, what Steph Curry went through the previous couple of years with the Golden State Warriors, in a sense, where Curry kind of fell off the map a little bit because he was injured and his team wasn't very good. Lillard is now in that same sort of position. So I think we become, and I think this is what happened with Taylor Rooks in this particular situation, prisoner of the moment. What have you done for me lately? Very, very common in the sports landscape, especially sports media. You're here today. You're gone tomorrow. Lakers won a championship two years, yet the sky is falling the last two, last two to three seasons. So my point being is with Lillard, he is a superstar. Put some respect on his name and let's not, let's stop defining these guys by championships only. Do you think she would have called him a superstar? If this was coming off of the game-winning walk-off shot that he that he hit against OKC, would he be called a superstar then, or is it because it's been a few years since that happened? What did I just say? Prisoner I of mean, the moment. Yeah, prisoner of the moment. That's it. it it's That's very, it's very easy to do. It's very and, easy to forget. And with superstars, like you have to transcend the game off the court. To me, you have to do something to make the to push the game forward to move the culture forward in order to be a superstar whether it be shoes whether it be memorabilia whether it be merchandise whether it be the way the game is played a la Steph Curry whether it be you know being the face of the league like LeBron you know and speaking of LeBron LeBron had a pretty interesting weekend along with a few other NBA players um Jamal Crawford has his pro am up in Seattle, uh, DeJounte Murray was there, Paolo Benchero was there, Jason Tatum was there, and of course the King tweeted out on Friday night that he was going to play in the game, and actually Taylor Rooks, I saw in, in that podcast or in that show that she kind of convinced Jason Tatum to go up there and play in, and play in that program, and it, it was a huge turnout. There were so many people. People spent the night outside of the gym. There were tents and there were people camped out the night before. So there was no way that certain people was going to get into that gym. And you see with in year 20, the kind of effect that LeBron has has had with the Drew now with the Seattle Pro-Am and, and other Pro-Ams. And this, this to me is what gets what I was talking about with the culture, moves the culture forward. And LeBron playing in this pro-am, just what it means to kids that would never have the opportunity to, to see him play, those kids are going to be some kids that are inspired to do something that they would not have been able to do otherwise, I believe. And that's why it, it's bigger than just basketball. It's bigger than sports. It's, it's an inspiration for the actual children and the kids that are in there that aspire to be the next LeBron at some point. So, Chris, what to you, what, what, what do you think the impact is of any NBA player playing for free in these programs, even though the game was called off, I believe, at the end of the first quarter because there was so much condensation because of so much body heat in the gym that the floor w was slippery and wet and everything like that. But what's your take on these programs and players playing in it? It's First of all, <laughs> it's funny you say that. Two years ago, all these gyms were empty. And even when they open back up masks and socially distant, it's good to know we've kind of, when you see an event like that, Chaz, 
it's good to know we've got some sense of normalcy back in our lives where we could go to a gym, we can go to a game, we could be around people and, and not have to worry about all of those other things like COVID and whatnot. I mean, you still have to worry about it, but not to the effect where you had all these mandates and social distancing. So I wanted to point that out at first. Uh, it yeah. shows, it goes to show you LeBron's impact for sure. But also the fact that these athletes want to make themselves accessible to people. They know a lot of people going to those games don't have a lot of money that don't have the money to buy a ticket for 41 home games and go see these guys play, especially now with inflation and everything like that. So for them to do that, it, it makes them, it almost brings these stars down to their level. It's like, Hey, I play in this gym. Now LeBron James is playing in this gym and Jamal Crawford and Jason Tatum and James Harden and all these guys, you know, you talk about the Drew League, you talk about Rucker Park, you talk about, there was one down in Atlanta, right? That's where Bancaro and, and Murray kind of got into their little tiff or whatever. So, I mean, yep. it's really cool that these guys are doing that. Not to mention, it, it's it's a twofold benefit for them. One, you're kind of getting yourself you know, in condition a little bit. You're starting to get those juices flowing, getting ready for training camp, which will be uh, which is nearly a month away. And two, you you get to kind of re uh, reach out to the fans a little bit and and media or whoever else is there. At, and Or maybe it's like lower level media. Like here, here's a quick story for you. I covered the Drew League one summer, uh, summer of 2016. And I tell you, yeah. man, it, there was nothing like it. I, I got to see Ron Artest or Meta World Peace or whatever play at the time. I got to see JaVale McGee. I got to interview Darrell Wright former Losinger High standout and NBA champion with the Miami Heat. I got to talk with, I didn't know this at the time, future Laker Stanley Johnson. He was at the Pistons at the time. I got ah, to do an interview okay. with him. So, but when I saw, I had never been to that event. When, when I saw everybody out there, I'm like, oh my gosh, this is like a high school game on steroids, man. It's crazy how many people come out, but it's free to go. And you get to see like NBA players, NBA caliber players, college division one players there. So I agree with you. It does move the culture. It brings the athletes down to the fans' level. And it just it's a it's a benefit for everybody. I I really think more of these leagues are gonna continue to to grow and get popular. And for 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 the basketball players themselves, it's a chance to, to tune it up a little bit with training camp uh, nearly six weeks away. So I think I think it's yeah, a win-win for all, man. It it fills a void as well because and one mixtape tour is gone. Yeah. And that was such a big part of, you know, if you're from my generation, if you know, and one, and when they were coming up, like street ball was a big part of the game. There was the NBA, there was college, and then there was street ball. And the fact that these NBA players are playing in these programs, it takes me back to, I mean, I wasn't around, but if you're a historian or know the game, Rucker Park with Julius Irving back in mm. the seventies, Magic's Midsummer Night, basketball games in the 80s with isaiah thomas and james worthy and you know all these guys um you got other pro-ams and other you know the drew league obviously like there's, there's just so much so pushing the game forward moving the game forward i'm all for it i love it and i just can't wait to see more of it moving and forward. Chaz, so do you know what we we failed to mention about that it's fun it's, it's fun. fun and it's free it's free it's no free but it's too. but it's it don't cost fun. you a dollar it's fun to yeah. watch. It's fun to watch amateurs against pros and, and semi-pro guys. Like it's, you're never going to see any other situation like that except at Rucker Park, at the Drew League, at the Seattle Pro-Am, in Atlanta, wherever. And you get to see 
a regular amateur who wouldn't normally stand, be able to stand on the same court as a LeBron James, a James Harden, a DeMar DeRozan, a Vince Carter. Hold his own. Yeah, exactly. Holding their own. So, And it's just fun to watch, man. Like I said, brings it down to the level. I love it. No doubt. Well, coming up on the other side of the break, we got our great interview with Glasses Malone, and we got an update on Brittany Griner's incarceration over in Russia, and we'll get to our WNBA playoff picks coming right up. You know what? Here's to going for it and being terrible. Here's to giving it a shot, even though your shot is uh, garbage. To being the queen of the court. Oh, maybe not this court. To feeling the burn, even if there shouldn't be a burn to feel. To trying your best, even though your swing is the worst. Here's to going down way harder than you get back up. To giving it your all. Even though you kind of suck. But you know what doesn't suck? <laughs> Trying to do something you've never done before. That doesn't suck at all. Not even a little. Welcome back to the Outlet Forum podcast. In case you haven't already done so, be sure to download and follow all our podcasts on all major streaming platforms. We're on Spotify. We're on Google Play. We're on iHeartRadio. And of course, we're on Apple Podcasts. Leave us that five-star rating. Drop a comment. Let's get that dialogue started. You could also follow us on nightcastmedia.com, N-I-T-E-C-A-S-T media.com. Go to the Shows tab, click on the Outlet Forum, and that'll take you to our Apple Podcast page. Chaz, that last track you heard was a fantastic song, Certified, featuring Akon and our next guest. Helen, all the way from Watts, The Loke, Glasses Malone. What up, G? How you doing, man? Man, I can't call it, man. Just positive for COVID again. Irritated, oh. out of my mind. But, I mean, that's the world we living in today, right? Hey, man, I, I, I just hope you, you're doing all right. And, uh, you know, hopefully it passes through just like it did for me. You know, back back third, last year. It's my third squabble with COVID, man. My third Jeez. time. Oh man. Hey, hey, man. Well, hopefully, hopefully you do good uh, and pull through on it. But hey, man, I gotta ask you just real quick, man. I gotta ask you some some rap shit on the West. Yeah. Who's the leader of the West in your opinion right now? Uh, I know we, we lost we lost Nip. Rest in peace, my man. Um, but I gotta ask you, who's the leader of the West? Whether it be old school, new school, whoever. That's pushing the culture forward right now, man. You can never really remove Snoop from where he at. Um, but I think the position is for whoever wants to deal with, you know, trying to bring it together. I think um, for a long time, Mustard did a really good job, you know, making sure he, you know, bringing, putting together, making sure Tiger had a hit record, you know, making sure Ty Dolla Sign had a hit record, um, mm -hmm. making sure he had a hit record, making sure Roddy got his first hit record. Um, I think he did a really incredible job of breaking artists with his sound. Um, right now, we're just in a really bad place until somebody um, wants to step up. I've been hearing uh, 
I like the stuff Ron Ron is doing, the, the sound that Draco established, Ron Ron and yeah. a couple of those guys. They got some good stuff. So whoever really wants to be the next producer, you know, breaking artists, you know what I mean? Dr. Dre, you know, and Battle Cat and Warren and Quick and all of those guys did it for so long. I mean, so whoever yeah, the is. guy that wants to take the realm of delivering hit records for all of the new artists, they're, go they're going to be who's, you know, holding it down and really putting it together. Gee, uh, I did I did my research on you and I saw that you had a track that was in the Madden 07 game. And I think it was Sean Alexander who was on who was on the cover. What did that feel like for you for a guy who grew up in Watts sure, and, and and to actually have one of your songs on a video game that had to been one of the coolest feelings ever. Tell me about what you felt when EA Sports or Madden the people developing the game came to you and said, we want to use that song in this, in this year's video game. Uh, if I remember correctly, Bishop hooked that up too. Bishop Lamont. Mm. Um, I had this song called right now. And it's weird because that song was actually really special. And I kind of just let it fall by the wayside. And they was just like, yeah, we like this song glasses. We want to put it on, you know, I think it was Madden or something at the time. And I was like, yeah, that's cool. You know what I'm saying? And, they was paying, but I don't think I ever made too much of a big deal out of anything. You know, I, I, sometimes I look back at all the stuff that I did and be like, damn, I really didn't make a big deal out of it. But it, it is pretty cool having a song on Madden, having a song on, uh, you know, one of the basketball games. I had a song on GTA. You know what I mean? I had a, nice. two, two or three songs on GTA. Um, yeah. So it's, it's been love, man. It's been it's been a journey for sure. Haters, haters was my shit, man. Hey, you know, haters like and, and, white, and white lightning sticks was my shit, man. Yeah, well, haters is one of my least favorite joints too. That's funny. <laughs> is it really? <laughs> yeah, it was like that's when I realized I didn't rap good. Okay. Like I had Wayne on the song and I was like, what? "Holy shit!" You know what I mean? Like, like this is <laughs> like you really heard it at that level. You know what I mean? You heard rap. Yeah, when you get one of the goats on. Yeah, you know what I mean, and you, you know. I don't have the natural ego where it's like, I feel like I'm the best. Like, you know, I listen and be like, oh, is it good or is it bad? But it's another thing when you're able to compare right next to what it's supposed to sound like. Game, like I started my career with Big Face 100, G-Rod in the game at Black Wall yep. Street. Rest in peace, folks, for looking that up for me, Black Tone, the Village Town. Rapping next to game is one thing. And that tells you a lot because game is like, Chuck is a fantastic MC. You know what I mean? He's a fantastic MC. Like when it comes to putting together bars and structuring the verse, Chuck is pretty nasty but rapping with Lil Wayne was like you know what I mean you really seen it at it don't get no better than that you know what I mean certain people like you just don't get no better than like you will never serve Snoop on a record I don't care if it's Jay-Z or Eminem it just won't happen because nope. Snoop does what he does so well Jay-Z does what he does so well Eminem does what he does so well Lil Wayne does what he does so well you know what I mean Kanye does what he does so well when you see it done at the elite level, Scarface, you can't out-rap them. You know, you come in and you just want to make your point and say what you need to say. And right. when I heard haters, I'll listen, I'll be like, yo, this is not what I wanted to say. You know what I'm saying? Because you heard right. Wayne, like Wayne said what he wanted to say. And I'm like, I'm like, yeah, I got to be better than this. And that was like a real awakening of how serious, you know, MCing was. I, I didn't really get it at first. Hey, I got G, you. Is there is there a certain artist you haven't had the chance to meet or collab with that is like on the list? Like I gotta work with that person, or are you just one of those where it's like if it happens, great. If not, I'm gonna keep doing what I'm doing. What's your mindset on that? 
Um, I'm I'm definitely keep doing what I'm doing, but Scarface is kind of the thing that matters the most to me. Um, yes, sir. Scarface is really important to me. You know what I mean? It's like a lineage. You know what I'm saying? It's 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 sewing lineage and putting together lineage. A lot of my style come from Scarface. A lot of my style come from you know Ice Cube. You know early years. So to be able to have a chance to rap with Scarface, you know he he's still breathing air. He's healthy. You know what I mean? Like he overcame like just like I thought he would, you know what I mean? Like the spirit and soul I get from all his music for him to overcome his illness, you know what I mean? And fight it and be straight and, you know what I mean? Like I want whatever, whatever he got on him, you know what I'm saying? I want it on me. Yeah. So that's somebody I would love to still exist in, in the studio and, and create a record with, you know what I'm saying? Um, that's pretty much it at this point. You know what I mean? Everybody else kind of, I pretty much been in the studio. Jay-Z is somebody I always like, but I just think where he's rapping at now, you know, I think I missed my window for where I thought it would have been what I wanted it to be. Mm. Yeah, they say he got the verse of the decade on this new Khaled project that's coming out on Friday. So I can't wait to hear that. Yeah, I, I believe that. I heard Sugar Free verse this year. So I don't know if that, I don't yeah, think it's a verse fuck with Sugar Free, uh, Free Game. So it's a, it's a verse on, it's a kid out of San Diego. Uh, the name of his song is called Free Game. And uh, it's featuring Sugar Free. I forgot the kid's name. Um, oh, he and he got a slapping verse on that too. Man, when I tell you that's the best verse I heard this year, you know okay. what I mean? It's the best verse I heard this year. And I really judge rap in that way. You know what I mean? I don't really care about who it is. I don't care about you know KT Foreign. That's the that's the artist's name, KT Foreign. Okay. And the song is called Free Game, featuring Sugar Free. Sugar Free has the last verse. It's like the best verse I heard this year by far. You hear that everybody, Glass just gave everybody some free game. So go ahead and look up free game. I'm going to go look that up right, right after this. That verse right there, um, yeah. I don't know if Jay-Z going to serve that one. That one is, like, phenomenal. No doubt. I got to get into a little, I got to get into some sports because you are a sports enthusiast. I like seeing some of your tweets. You're going back and forth, you know, with different people, giving your opinion about certain stuff. But I got to ask you, with everything going on with KD and making a trade request and then now – stay in and you got this player want to go this way and that way what's your view on player empowerment is it going too far or do you think the players should be able to do kind of what they want what's your view on just the whole player empowerment movement right now um i think it makes for a great entertaining offseason tell you that much definitely yeah i've been talking about basketball as much as i talked about it when they was playing the damn games so i think it's brilliant for the nba i think this whole back and forth and People trying to figure out exactly what the correct move for their, you know, business is, whether it's Kevin Durant for his business, whether it's the Nets for their business. Everybody's trying to figure out what's the next step. And, right. you know, to have that in the offseason and to be involved, you know, to feel like you have any idea what's going on in people's mind is super dope. And it's great for the NBA. At the end of the day, the Nets was never going to let KD go. You know what I mean? It just wasn't going to happen. Nets signing for three, that why would we? Uh, we don't fuck with you. They don't know we're not letting you go. You Kevin Durant. Nigga, you, Four you, more you years. About? See what I mean, Chaz? G and I are on the same page with that. I but, was saying but, that from the beginning. But, I, but I'll tell you this, and, and I don't know enough about the business of basketball. You know, and I do know a lot more than I should. You know I mean? Growing up kind of sucks because you start learning about how people have to run their business. You have your own business, so you start caring about business. But I think the trade to Phoenix, you know, um, with Aiton, um, the, the, the defensive runner up of the year and, and Cam and the picks, I think that would have been a great pick. I think, I think you could have got some of those guys and, 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 and put Ben Simmons and 
made a play with Kyrie and got some other stuff and, and had a future with some guys that can go both ways. But again, the business of basketball is different. How many jerseys does Kevin Durant sell? You know, mine is on, on the court. He's still probably, you know, he's probably the best. If he's, if he's healthy, he's probably the best small forward in basketball still. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, he, he's, he's a top five player. I mean, most people call him the best, you know, you know, when he, when he's healthy. So, I mean, yeah, that's facts. The way I look at it is, um, it's like, you know, he could still be the best small forward in basketball and, you know, how many jerseys does he sell? How many seats does he sell? You know what I mean? Now, now I have to think basketball. Like I hated my Lakers to have to give LeBron that money, but I mean, this is a business. They got to sell seats. And it's like, exactly. I think LeBron James impact on the court is pretty much done, but I think he, he, look how many they had the second what? most amount of TV games. I don't mean to cut you off G, but uh, my man averaged 30 a game and going into year 20, this you think his impact has gone on the court right now? I think G is referring to when I got, I got to challenge that a little bit. <laughs> you didn't see, you didn't, you're not looking at nothing. That's so all you look at the, no, 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 no. I mean, I'm, I'm watching him dunk on people. A, I'm watching him shoot. Playing, because because Carmelo and Austin Reeves and Russell Westbrook and Stanley Johnson and all the rest of those players, they just wasn't a good team. And Frank Vogel wasn't able to get people to do what I thought Darvin Ham is going to be able to do. Quite personally, but speaking of speaking of that, who well, do you? How do you think the Lakers are going to fare as presently constructed? Speaking of the Lakers, while we here. The core is they rotten. done. The core is rotten. So okay. wow, it's just, it's just time. Like every player has their time. This is twenty years. Probably somebody who's played twenty-two years worth of basketball. Yeah, I don't. I don't. I'm not. I'm not. I see what you're doing to score points. I'm looking at you shooting twenty-two shots a game. I'm looking at you playing thirty-nine minutes a year. Twenty. You're not even playing for the postseason. You know, it's not even. He's one of the smartest people. You know, in that understands basketball off the court. So he's very much aware of how the body works, how you're supposed to limit minutes going into a playoff. He studied the best. Like he is somebody who can recall everything. Ron is the greatest small forward to ever step on court. He has a recall memory. He knows. So when he starts making decision that goes against the consistency of success, I know that's not something he even cares about. And the reason he wouldn't care is he knows it's not possible. It's just done. I mean, the core of it is LeBron James, prime LeBron James could take anybody. The idea was he could take anybody to the playoffs. Now it's like, oh, he had five other Hall of Famers on the court and he can't take him to basketball. He can't take him to the playoffs. Like he can't get in a play-in game. It's not yeah. them. It's not them at this point. That's just not realistic. And Bradley Bill averaged 30 points. I mean, like I so said, it's people who average 30 points and now made the playoffs historically. Right. Tracy McGrady. We were just talking about him. T-Mac. T-Mac did that for, for many years with the Orlando Magic. I think I know. I think I understand what you're saying. It's like, yeah, he's averaging 30 points. He's still getting th- triple doubles. He's got a point. Team this year. But is he elevating the team? You know, I mean, where's that, the wins? What wins to follow? Fame. Yeah. yeah that's just playing the fame. I, you know, raising the team up. I, I like I like the way you think, G, because it's a lot like the way I think. So I think, you know, I, th- I think we're on the same page here when it comes to hoops. From one great Laker in LeBron to another one in Kobe Bryant, obviously this week is his birthday, what would have been his 44th birthday. 8-24 on Wednesday is Mamba Day. Yeah. What is your favorite Kobe memory, either on the court or off the court, that stands out in your mind? This is a great question. I never thought about that. And, and it's dope because I had Kobe. I was in high school when Kobe came into the NBA still. I was about to graduate real soon. Wow. And um, 
I remember when they drafted him. And um, you know what sticks in my head the most? When he airballed those shots and he sat on the bench. Wow. Utah, 97. Yeah. Yeah. I remember that. And I remember thinking, like, this either going to make him an animal or it's going to be in the end of his career. Mm. And, I mean, the rest wrote itself. Yeah. You can make the argument those shots, those airball shots were the springboard for his greatness, you know? Turned him around and made him just a, a savage, man. He changed his life. Like, he dedicated every waking moment to being the greatest he could on the basketball court. So, those are the moments I remember the most. And there was a time when he was walking into the locker room and he was hiding from the camera. He was messing with the cameraman. That was funny, too. <laughs> but when he airballed those shots on that bench, and I remember thinking to myself, like, I knew from that point on, I was like, whatever he's going to be, he's going to be it now. That's dope. I'm going to get you out of here really quick, but I'd be remiss if I didn't ask you about Brittany Griner and her being over in Russia for the past almost 200 days. And there's a lot of different reports about a swap or, or possibly people going over there to try and help her out. What's your take on the whole Brittany Griner situation? And what would you like to see happen sooner rather than later? Obviously with, her release you know what man it's such a tough thing man because everybody you know america laws man like america has us spoiled in a lot of ways you know we 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 want to judge the world through our own lens Mm. you know what i'm saying and we want to say okay well we don't make a big deal out of weed here but you know those people over there make a big deal and if you look at multiple stories they put people in prison over weed you know what i mean so it's, she's just in a bad spot, you know? And it's funny because I thought Dennis Rodman would have been the person that could make it happen. People love Dennis, man. You know, and it's tough on the government, man. Do you give up a super war criminal for Brittany Griner? You know what I'm saying? Somebody who might get more people knocked off. That's just tough. You know what I'm saying? So I think they got to work on, on a slide. I think they got to use some of their resources better, you know, and, and definitely try to bring her home. But this, let this be a lesson to everybody, to all of us, man. When we go to these other countries, this is not America. They are not playing. They are tripping. No, and, and I think the timing of it couldn't have been worse because shortly after she was arrested, they invade Ukraine, uh, meaning the Russians, like two or three weeks later. So now everything just starts to escalate. It gets put on the back burner. So very- I read a story that happened two years before it where a man got 13 years for something like that. Wow. So yep. like this is this is consistent. I mean, I think they've had situations where they've been lenient, but they have other situations with other people where they've been pretty harsh. You know what I'm yeah. saying? And, and some of them was white. It's it's you know the legal system is a tough thing, especially in another country. So really, all you can do is pray for it to stay strong. And and you know they need to let Dennis Rodman go do what he want to do for sure. You know what I mean? They don't have no business telling Dennis Rodman to not go make a play to get that sister home. People love Dennis. I, I literally go on the board. I argue all the time. Dennis is a top 10 player of all time. You know what I'm saying? And people can't stand it because most fans of the NBA can't look past scoring the ball. It's like, oh, if you don't score, then nothing else matters. It's like, well, there's a, a million other things that matter in the game. You know what I mean? And there are things that are countable. So people love Dennis. Um, the man in North Korea, Kim, they love Dennis, man. Yeah. People yeah. love Dennis, man. Let him go make a play for and see if they can work something out, man. Someone who's not a politician who might come with pure intentions. And even if it is Dennis Rodman, who everyone's like, you want to send him on a goodwill mission to get Brittany Griner back home. But at this point, nothing else has seemingly worked. So why not? I mean, most people like Dennis Rodman. Yeah, exactly. 
People love that. Like Dennis is a likable guy. You think anyone likes Secretary of State Anthony Blinken? I wouldn't let no. I wouldn't <laughs> let I wouldn't him a free popsicle. He came to my ice cream truck and he wanted a free popsicle. He had to pay me double the price. Yeah. No. Nope. Dennis Robin, I gave him the truck, man. Dennis is just that kind of character, but I pray for I pray for the system, man. That's just a tough spot to be in. But I'll tell you one thing: the most important part is when y'all, you know, everybody want to take these flights and you know, all oh, they taking trips and they want to you know, ba- vacations. Yeah, you better watch what you're doing. You know what I mean? They will lock your ass up. Ain't nobody playing around the rest of this world. They is no. not playing. And all the little debates and arguments you get to do in America and all that protesting, that shit will get you killed over there. Yeah. And I'd have been over there enough to see that you they ain't playing. For sure. And, she, and, they send, and, and they send in a message. Exactly. And one more thing. This wasn't like this was her first trip to Russia. She's been playing overseas there like a lot of other WNBA players to supplement their income during their offseason. This isn't new of going over there or Turkey or some of these other countries. So for her to go over there and not really understand the lay of the land and still try to take a chance with this, even if it's a small amount and you didn't know you're taking a heck of a chance. And unfortunately she's paying for it now, or she has paid for it. And it could have been an accident. Like she said, she yeah. just forgot it was in her bag. But that's the thing about these foreign countries, man. They just, they're a lot stiffer on crime. You know what I mean? They're not playing. You know, what I mean? it's a different thing. It's a different experience. For sure. G, okay. thank you so much, man, for, for joining us here on the Outlet Forum podcast. We're, we're going to let you get out of here. We're going to let you recover. Uh, good, good luck battling, battling COVID, man. Uh, wish you the, the best. I'm sure you're going you're, you're gonna to be back on your feet in, in no time. Is there anything you wanted to, you wanted to plug before, before we get you out? As soon as I'm healthy, we got to set it up again, man, so we can come back on here and talk about Laker basketball and, and other basketball things. Oh, yeah. We're oh, we, we going to get into it, most definitely, especially once training camp and the season starting. Obviously, you're, you're a little better. G, I just want to say personally, man, Coming from Slauson in 62nd, LA, LA zone, you have been an inspiration for me personally, man. Hearing you and what you meant to me when I was 16, 17, 18 years old in high school, your songs, your demeanor, you know, just seeing you, you know, just kind of seeing you around. You know, I used to hang out with my brother all the time. And, you know, you probably don't remember, but I but I've I've seen you around here and there. I I've never met you or, or anything like that, but I, I've seen you around in the streets and everything like that a, a few times. And I just want to say thank you for uh, pushing the culture forward, being who you are and uh, being on this podcast, man. man. So appreciate you. Let's no make doubt. sure we do this about two weeks. Once I'm all the way up <laughs> magic and I'm not on my laptop with this horrible sound. That's going to kill me when I hear it. We got you. We got you. It's, it's all good. Man, I had to show up for my man, Nick. So much love to y'all. Pre- appreciate appreciate you, the man. time. You have a good get, one, dog. get well and, and keep doing your thing, man. Much love, Chris. Yes, sir. The great, glasses malone hey that's 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 real man because i i really did like with with game with with glasses with you know with cali is active with you know anybody who's from la during that time um knows what what he meant to the game at at that time and still and still does you know so appreciate g for coming on but let's continue the conversation that we were kind of already having with Brittany griner I'm glad we touched on that because I think to be quite honest, it's such an out of the box type situation of you send Dennis Rodman, who all of a sudden is like an ambassador for, for us and government relations. Why not? I I go back to that. Why not? Here's the only thing. My only reserve reservation with that is the fact that 
publicly, both sides have already acknowledged a negotiation has already taken place and they've already started that. So in my opinion, I think Den is going over there. Now, if they weren't negotiating and there was no movement and she was just going to be there and you didn't hear anything from the White House or um, or, or the Ru- Russian representatives or Putin's office or anything like that, then cool. But because they've already spoken, you've, you've already gotten names of prisoners on both sides in terms of who would be swapped. I think at this point, anything that's going to put it out in the media to put more pressure on Russia is just going to make them withdraw a little bit more because they're we just know kind of how they operate at this point. So I'm just a little bit weary of Dennis Rodman going and them perceiving that as Americans trying to put on a show and then them pulling back and not really wanting to cooperate as much as they maybe already had. That's my only reservation with it. And that's that's a solid point. This is what he said, though. Funny you, you talk about the lack of cohesion between Dennis and the U.S. government. He said, quote, I got permission to go to Russia to help that girl. I'm trying to go this week. He said um, he, he, he said that, obviously, he's cool with President Vladimir Putin, the dictator of, of Russia. And, you know, we also know that he's cool with Kim Jong-il in, uh, in I believe it's in North Kim Korea. Yeah, yeah. Kim, Kim Jong-un. I'm sorry. Kim Jong-il was his predecessor. So he basically said um, that he is willing to go out and, and, and help her and, and, get, and, and spring her loose. But you're right, though. This could you almost have to treat this like a trade situation. The, the aspect of leverage that we always talk about with, you know, all these other trades that we're discussing on, 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 on every single podcast, it applies to this situation. So I agree with you in that aspect. What I am saying is this, because Dennis is well-liked, maybe they go, the, the Russians go in with more of an open mind. And if Dennis works with the Biden administration and whoever's spearheading this particular situation, and at least he understands the background, all right, this is what we've got so far. Let, let us brief you on our conversations and what we have on the table. That way, if you want to do this, at least you know where we're coming from and you can kind of continue to carry out that message. If that's the case, then I'm all for it. But you're right, though. It is a delicate situation. No, no doubt about that. With that being said, there's there's so much. Speaking of Griner, her teammates had a really rough go of it in this past week. Um, I believe they were eliminated by the Las Vegas Aces. Swept. Um, in two games. Uh, I believe they had a player that also tore her Achilles from what it looked like um, in, in that first game. So that was, that was pretty tough. Um, but you got... The sky knocking off the Liberty mm-hmm. and we said that it was going to be a, possibly a dog fight between the mystics and the storm, but it looks like the storm, you know, just kind of went through them like a knife through butter. Chris, what's your takeaway on these WNBA playoffs and how's it going to shake out really as we move through the next round? So far it's holding to form. Uh, I, I predicted Vegas and Seattle were going to sweep and they did. I mean, Phoenix was a walking wounded. Plus they lose a player in the middle of, of, of that series. So, I mean, they just, they had really no chance of taking on Vegas mystics challenged Seattle. Those were not, I mean, it was, may have been a two game sweep, but those were hard, hard fought games. They were close. They were close. New York went in and snuck one from Chicago. And, and the thing is, Chaz, if you lose a game and you're the home team, you have to play a winner take all on the road. So you have home court advantage, but that doesn't mean that you play 
the the winner the uh, the game seven win all, take all situation at home. You're playing it on the road, so that's what made it kind of tricky. Now uh, on Wednesday night, you still have Dallas versus Connecticut. I really thought Connecticut was going to steamroll them in two games. Dallas has come to play, so that's going to be uh, in the Big D for 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 a winner take all game three. So I got to tell you this, so partner, I got to give you your props because even though I called Vegas and Seattle, you gave New York and Dallas. You said look out for them. They may challenge these two teams. And so far you've been spot on. So good Show looking enough. partner. Good job, man. Show enough. We'll, we'll see. But I think the aces ultimately are going to take the whole thing. The aces are, they got the, they got the best coach. They got the best player. They got the best system. And right now they got like the best fans in terms of people that are coming out and uh, in terms of how loud that building is from what it sounds like on TV and, um, just the momentum that they got. So yeah. I'm excited to see how it's going to shake out for the rest of the, for the rest of the playoffs. It's always entertaining. It's, it's so crazy how much entertaining, how much more entertaining WNBA and NBA playoffs are even more than just the regular season. It's just ratcheted up that much more. So the intensity's uh, you know, up. and shot and shout out to charter jet charter jets are things that we haven't really seen in the WNBA, but we're starting to see them a little bit now that we're late in the playoffs and uh, teams got to go back and forth. This kind of proves that they can do it during the regular season. I, I feel like they just choose not to or, or or can't, or maybe the 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 NBA hasn't supplemented certain amounts of money. But either way, I wanted to give them a shout out for the fact that they kind of they gave them a charter jet you know, helping out where they can. I tell you the WNBA is, is for whatever reason, they're like stuck in the seventies or eighties, man, as far as travel arrangements. I mean, you saw it in winning time, right? Which by the way, they just started shooting season two. I, I just spoke to Spencer Garrett who plays Chick they Hearn did. and, and he said, I am knee deep in winning time season two. And I said, can't wait to not only can't see the wait. series, can't wait to have him back on that show. But my point being is you saw in that series, them charting a commercial flight. They're all sitting in first class, but there's blatantly people like average Joe's like us jazz uh, in, in the coach section. So, you know, we're 32 years later, almost 40 years later. And it's like, you can't get these women chartered planes. Seriously. Yeah. So, no, you should, I mean, yeah, it's just, it's, it's just uncalled for, by the way, another shout out, you shouted out the planes. I got to shout out a certain individual with the Chicago sky who advanced to the semifinals. Then they'll await the winner of Dallas or Connecticut. Shout out to James Wade, uh, executive of the year for the sky. He won his first championship last year. So the accolades continue to come in well-deserved. Uh, the 2022 executive of the year. He is the first African-American to win such an award since it became an official award back in 2017. He has done a tremendous job with that franchise, putting it back on the map. And Chaz, Amen. just another example of how the, the league moving it forward, moving it forward, pushing the culture forward and showing what great things uh, we could accomplish when we put people uh, in a position to be successful and give them an opportunity to show what they can do. Yeah. The culture as well as the game. Um, well, you guys know what time it is. It's about that time for the social media post of the week. We got a bunch of fire stuff. Chris, you already you already know I'm throwing you that Kobe lob like a Shaq in 2000 in the Western Conference Finals. I give it to you first, my man. What is your social media post of the week? Well, first of all, let me just, uh, because it is Mamba Week, it is Kobe's B-Day Kobe uh, Mamba Day on 824. Let me just do a little Bob Costas for you. Brian to Shaq back from the brink of elimination. 
to the brink of the NBA finals. RIP and RIP NBA on NBC. Bob Costas is alive, but NBA on NBC isn't. Okay. So this one comes on Twitter. Peter Bukowski at Peter underscore Bukowski. Durant, this is a converse, like a mock conversation. Durant, trade me. Nets, no. Durant, fire the coach and GM. Nets, no. Durant, I might retire. Nets, no, you won't. Durant, okay, I will play. Nets. Good. <laughs> <laughs> it's almost like it's almost like a parent just kind of like finally re- reeling in their son. That's that's what I kind of got from from that conversation, but it's it's pretty accurate, right? It's it's like a kid with no leverage. KD had no leverage. So man, I he he's gonna have to play, especially if he wants them snakes. Um, snakes being money, guys. Uh, mine comes from at DJ Artistic. Um, he threw up a this is in honor of Kobe Bryant, obviously. Happy birthday, Kobe. This is still the funniest moment ever. And it's a clip of the Jimmy Kimmel episode that Kobe was on where he was hurt and Jeremy Lin was on the team. Jordan, uh, Jordan Hill was on the team and Swaggy P was on the team and they were just so happy. Uh, Mike Trudeau is doing a walk-off interview with Jeremy Lin and Swaggy P and Jordan Hill come up and they just all happy talking about Carlos Boozer comes in ah, one time and they look at Kobe and Kobe just gives that death stare. Like, what are y'all doing? You not making the playoffs. You're not winning no games really like that. Like, what are you doing? And that was Kobe, man. Kobe just, hey, he's all about that jewelry at the end of the day. So shout out to Kobe for that. Um, shout out to his legacy. I had to go with um, that moment for me personally because that was actually, I, I watched that live back in, what was that, 2013, 2014, it, it something was, like it that. It was 2015, yeah. And he was 2015, just. yeah. So yeah. Yeah, no, and <laughs> I think that was the same year where he said uh, during the trade deadline, some of y'all ain't going to be here Soft tomorrow. as Charmin. Soft as Charmin, but also like this will be the last practice I, I play with some of you guys. Yeah. Some yeah. Sort of, I, I mean, Swaggy I'm paraphrasing. Tells, yeah. Swaggy P tells the story of them of him making them throw their Kobe's away after losing that that one game and they got blown out. So, um, yeah, man, shout, shout out wow. to Kobe. And, and, and really quick. Kobe, the Staples Center is a house that Kobe built, and that house is actually going to get a makeover. I just wanted to be to mention this. The Lakers and AEG, AEG's investing multi-million dollars, millions of dollars into LA Live. It's going to happen in three phases. There's going to be a new, new tunnel uh, club. It's going to be new suites. It's going to be new new board video boards up in the corners, um, and we're going to get Pau Gasol's uh, Jersey retire. So there's a lot going on with the Laker franchise, but they still got to win games at the end of the day. So we'll talk a little bit more Laker basketball next week for all you Laker fans. I know we touched on a few things, but um, I'd be remiss if I didn't mention the fact that AEG is investing all of that money into the crypto.com arena. And I, I'm, I am a complete sucker for renovations. So anything from SoFi to the new Intuit dome with the Clippers, even though I hate the Clippers to even this, happening with the crypto.com arena that speaks to the level of business that the Lakers have done with not only BBGo, uh, but also wish and other sponsorships that they've been able to attain and to get this money, to be able to even afford to do certain things like this, even though AEG is the owner, the Lakers are their main tenant and their main moneymaker, I should say in that building. So shout out to them for that. 
Chaz is looking forward to a mini bar on, uh, at every corner. I am uh, looking and- <laughs> forward to the mini bar and the outside terrace that they're going to have on the whole. They're going to blow out the whole top. You're going to be able to walk back and forth. For those of you guys that haven't checked it out, go check it out on latimes.com. Chris, it's been another great show. Shout out to Glasses Malone for coming on. Um, you guys know where to find me at on Twitter at Chaz Pearson on Instagram at Chaz P. Chris, where can I follow you, my man? You can always follow me on Twitter at Chris underscore Camelo, Instagram C Camelo one and Camelo's corner by Chris Camelo on Facebook. Well, another great show. Another great week. We'll see you guys next time. Thanks for tuning in. Peace. Peace.